James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Thanks be to God for his holy word. May he bless the reading and preaching of his word this morning. We all know the famous words of Jesus, as it has been used mostly by secular society. Judge not, that you be not judged. These words have been misused by many to self-justify personal sins. I'm sure we've heard it from friends and family. Don't judge me. When in fact the purpose of that passage was to uproot personal sins. In other words, Jesus is calling us to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what am I doing wrong? While most use that passage so they have an excuse not to repent. I have nobody judging me. So I can live my life the way I please. I'm scot-free since no one is judging me. But really, it is to turn our eyes from judging everyone else to looking to our own need to repent before we can be of any help to anyone else. And if it is actually followed through, we would spend most of our lives removing the log out of our own eye before we even consider the speck in our brother's eye. I remember a preacher who greatly influenced me before going to seminary. He once described the Christian as someone whose mouth is shut. It is someone who is silent. Well, what does he mean? What does he mean by that? What he means is the Christian is the one who has his mouth shut in light of God's law. That doesn't mean we do not preach the law. That doesn't mean we do not talk about the law. That doesn't mean we do not uh, talk about sin and hell. What he is saying is that the Christian is the one who understands that he cannot stand the scrutiny of God's law and God's holy standards. He is the one who understands that he cannot stand alone in the judgment being judged by God's law strictly. He needs someone to stand in his place. The Christian is the one who understands that he himself is a sinner. And he cannot stand in the presence of God with his mouth open, bragging about all the good that he has done in his life. In this this case, the Christian is the one who knows that if he were to stand in the presence of God to be judged by the law strictly with no mediator, he would have his mouth shut with nothing to say because he would be condemned. 
He would not have a badge of honor to present of his own doing. All of his righteousness is found outside of himself. And to pronounce lofty or high judgments or critical opinions about others would be lofty hypocrisy. All of his righteousness is found in Christ through the cross of Christ. No matter how much transformation we go through in our lives, only the cross we can claim. So in our passage, James strikes at the heart of hypocrisy and slander. He is addressing, once again, the sins of the tongue. Because worldliness is evident by the use of our tongues. So in doing this, what he is doing, he is dethroning the sinner and exalting the one lawgiver and judge. He brings all men under the scrutiny of God's law and asks this question, who can truly stand? Who can stand? As you read throughout this letter, James has been asking many questions. So now, I'm going to ask you a couple First, who is above the law of God? And secondly, who is above God? Don't think on that too long. I think you know the answer to that question. So first, he begins by giving a strong encouragement that speaks to us today. Addressing the church and the fellowship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. In the original language, the word evil is not there, but the, but the idea is there. He is telling them, do not speak against one another, specifically in an evil way. He is saying, do not slander one another. Or do not speak in a way that makes someone else look bad, especially when we don't know what is going on for sure in their lives. Why? Why would he say this? Well, because it, it, it depicts something that is not true. It depicts a deceptive lie that many of us fall for every day. The lie that says that we possess some sort of perfect and complete knowledge of anything. It depicts this lie that involves self-elevation. Where we elevate ourselves to a place that we have no right to be. And and that is the problem here. In the eyes of God, it it is an audacity that sinners would elevate themselves to a place that they don't have the right to be. And this audacity of speaking against a brother or sister in the Lord... He describes when he says, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. That is the holy law, the eternal law, the law that shows us the holiness of God because it comes from God, from his nature, from his character. And it shows us how we are called to reflect God. But why is he equating judging a brother with judging the law? 
That, that seems kind of odd. Well, because the law of God is for all men, with me included. And this law shows us, how, shows us how we are to love God and to love neighbor. In fact, the law is a law of love in Christ. And it shows us how we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. So what he is saying is, the one who judges his brother, the one who slanders his brother, the one who condemns his brother, has failed to keep this law. In fact, since the law is for all men, if you slander your brother, you slander the law of God. Because the law is revealed in all men. Every man is like a walking law. The law of God has been revealed to all men by way of conscience. And all men will be judged by the law. Whether or not they've ever read the scriptures. They will be judged by the law because it is revealed in every man. And everyone will be held accountable to it. Also, what this does, when we slander our brother, when we condemn our brother, we are setting ourselves up above the law as if it doesn't apply to us as well. We've heard the phrase applied to vigilantes. That they are above the law. Why, why do people say that? Well, because they are breaking the law in order to bring about justice their own way. Sounds like politicians of our day, doesn't it? They are taking matters into their own hands and forcing the law that they don't keep themselves. So, at the end of the day, mind you, I love Batman. He's a vigilante. But a vigilante, all he is, is a hypocrite. It's hypocrisy. Breaking the law in order to bring justice that you have thought out, that you have set up yourself, bringing it about your own way. But we need to ask ourselves, how many times have we heard the law from the pulpit and think of all the other people that we know that have broken specific commands? But the question is, do we ever include ourselves in the deliberation? See, hypocrites never include themselves. And this is why Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For the judgment you pronounce, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will, it will be measured to you. Because the great truth of the scripture says that God has consigned all, not some, all to disobedience. Through what? The law. So that he may, may have mercy on all. So what that means is, for us, is that no one can place themselves above the law of God 
as a judge. Because it would be sheer hypocrisy. Since all are condemned as sinners. All of us. Not one can stand. Because by this point, if you judge the law, setting ourselves above the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge and a gossip. The main function of a judge is to deliberate and to pronounce judgments. So for a sinner saved by grace, this would be a misuse of our tongue when we don't have the proper grounds to do so. Again, if we slander or condemn our brother or sister, we would be setting ourselves up above the law, looking down upon others, making sure everyone is obeying my laws, my standards, except for ourselves while we are at play. While we are allowed to do everything imaginable with intense self-justification, while everyone else is not. This is self-righteousness that he is addressing, self-elevation. And this leads to picking and choosing the worthy from the unworthy in a superficial and man-made manner. It is not using sound judgment. We have sought the judgment seat without being given that right. Isn't that what's going on in our society today? Remember, James says to be doers of the law, not hearers only, and certainly not a judge of the law at all. Because if we are busy judging others or condemning others, we are not busy doing God's will. We are distracted, and we are not putting our own hands to the plow. Now, if you're like me, you're probably asking a few questions to yourself. When and how are we to judge? Because Paul does say we are going to sit with Christ in judgment one day. Judging the nations. Yes, but not yet. And actually that passage was meant to show that we would not be ready to judge anyone or anything if we can't settle trivial disputes in the church. He's addressing the same sins that James is addressing. And it involves spiritual immaturity. Because instead we self-elevate to a position of judge rather than lowering ourselves. Becoming humble servants who will be exalted by God. And that is the difference. Here he's addressing people who are self-elevating. Versus those who are humbled and who are exalted by God. Self-exaltation versus God-exaltation. You're probably also asking, well, doesn't Paul say in 1 Corinthians 5 that we are to judge, we are not to judge outsiders, but judge those in the church? Well, yes. We do judge. We make judgments every day. We are called in the scriptures to discern between good and evil. In our own lives. In the church. We are to discern between good and evil. In society. 
Now, not the virtue signaling that's going on today. That's sheer hypocrisy. But yes, we are called to discern, not slander. There's, that's totally different. Slander and discerning between good and evil are two different things. Paul even calls us to discern who we hang around with. He says, bad company corrupts good morals. We are to judge. But it's not a self-righteous judgment. It's not a slanderous judgment. It's a judgment knowing that we can be corrupted by who we hang around with, by what we're involved with. It's acknowledging that we too are weak, though we are Christians. He even says to avoid certain Christians who live certain lifestyles. And he names one of them in 1 Corinthians 5. He, said, he calls him the reviler. Who is the reviler? He's the one James is speaking to here. The slanderer. The insulter. The one who always finds fault. The one who passes evil, condemnatory, and critical judgments without all the details, without the hard, concrete evidence, without humility, and without doing his own self-check. The one who passes evil judgments, he says, stay away from them. This is the one who gossips and makes incorrect accusations. The one who sees the speck in his brother's eye rather than the log in his own eye. The one who seeks the seat of judgment only in order to put others asunder. To cast down, to tear down, and is not looking to restore the guilty to Christ nor to fellowship. It's just like preaching. If I was to stand up here and only preach the law, only cast down, and never give the gospel, I have no right to be here. And this is where motives are important. Because this answers the nature of the judgment involved. Righteous judgment wouldn't be a problem because righteous judgment seeks the good of others, both innocent and guilty. Righteous judgment seeks to restore the sinner. Righteous judgment seeks the honor of Christ. Not a self-righteous or a slanderous judgment. Because malicious judgment is of a totally different nature. So in situations we should ask ourselves, why are we mentioning someone else's struggle with sin? Someone else's illness? Or problems in our conversations. If it is not for their good. Why are we confronting someone? Or why are we even asking about someone. If it is not for their good. Because there lies the problem. It is too simplistic to say that we are never to make judgments whatsoever. Like I said we make judgments every day. We are called to judge. We are called to discern between good and evil. But if we are to make judgments, 
Is it accompanied with grace? Is it accompanied with love? Purity of motive? Humility? Gentleness? Reasoning? Mercy? In other words, is it accompanied with the gospel? Always having the other person's well-being in mind. All the while guarding their reputation. Because everything outside of that is sin. Gossip and slander. And how often do we self-justify our gossip by saying, Well, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's also true that it's gossip. Well, this deception and the audacity of self-elevation to the point of judging our brothers is greater than we think. Because not only is it to self-elevate as judges above the law of God, but it is also to self-elevate in order to try to be God. So we would actually think without saying it that we are God who knows and judges perfectly. We claim to know the heart of man when we don't. And that is the self-deception and the root of slander. Claiming to know something that we don't. We claim to know someone's true spiritual status when we don't. Remember, we, we judge a tree by its fruit, right? But we can never judge the root. Once we go beyond judging the fruit, it becomes slander. Very easily. We ought to be careful. We make judgments as if we will not be judged by the same measure. Now, who is the only one who is allowed to think this way? God. God. It is to be like God when we are not. So it is sheer arrogance and pride and nothing else. Why? He answers why here. Throughout scripture, both Old and New Testaments, there is a common affirmation that there is only one lawgiver and one judge. And he is God. Was it a sinner? Who gave Moses the law? Where was man when God gave Moses the two tablets of stone? Man was on the receiving end. Man is only the recipient of the law of God. God is the only lawgiver, not man. Man does not make the law. And he does not give the law. He only receives it. He can't make up new laws to try to replace God's law. He thinks he does, but he really doesn't. Now, this is not to say that there are not other lawgivers and judges in our society. We need lawgivers and judges. Right? You think of our own government here in the United States. There are three branches of government, right? There's the lawmakers. There's the lawgivers the executive branch, and then there are the judges. They would not exist if it wasn't for the one true lawmaker, lawgiver, and judge. 
all these other lawmakers who believe that they can change God's law really can't. They're usurping, they're trying to usurp God Himself. They don't think that they will have to answer to the original lawmaker and judge. Just as Jesus said to Pilate, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you. Anyone who's in authority, that position was given to them. It wasn't just earned by smarts, it was given by God's grace. And as Christians, we, this fact that God is the true lawgiver and judge is the reason why we can't obey laws that contradict the law of God. It's what St. Augustine called unjust laws. Why? Because we answer to God first rather than to man. This affirmation is the reason why Christians have been persecuted Since the early church. It's not just preaching the gospel. But it was also not bowing the knee to idols. Not bowing and worshipping Caesar. That's what led to Paul's persecution. It was preaching Christ as king. Over all other kings. And not worshipping the kings of this world. And this is why it was so controversial for Jesus to pronounce when he said, You have heard it said, but I say to you. And then what did he do? He gave the disciples the law. Why was that so controversial? Well, because he was saying, I am God and I am giving you the law. I am the same one who gave Moses the law back then. That was me. And I'm also the man who's bringing you these two tablets of stone, as uh, metaphorically speaking, to you today. That's why it was so controversial. He claimed his divine right as he is God, the Son of God, the same one who gave the law at Mount Sinai. He is the one judge and lawgiver. There is also another common affirmation in the world as well. And the phrase goes like this. Only God can judge me. Only God. This is even tattooed on people. Only God can judge me. It's a true statement. Isn't it? But the problem is that most people who say this do not believe that God is actually going to judge them. And if He does judge them, it won't be based on His holy standards. But the truth is, He will judge you, He will judge us on His standards. Not our own. And he is the only one who has the power to either save or to destroy. This is why Jesus told us, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. See, at that time the disciples did not understand that He was talking about Himself. Because He possessed the power to both save and to destroy. Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save the lost. But Jesus is also described just as in the Apostles' Creed, as the judge of the living and the dead. And it is before His throne, His judgment seat, that we are all going to appear as He was exalted as judge. This is why in Revelation, the question was asked, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one. No one can stand in the judgment. All must bow the knee. No one is worthy except for the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lamb standing before the throne as though He was slain. Jesus is the only one worthy not only to stand in God's judgment with His head up, totally confident in all of his works, but also he is the only one worthy to pronounce judgment on souls. He teaches this when he says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Just as they honor The Father. Right there he was calling himself the one lawgiver and judge as God. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You reject the Son, you reject the Father. You reject Jesus Christ, you reject God. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, he has eternal life. And here is the good news. He does not come into judgment. The one who believes does not come into judgment as in condemnation or eternal punishment for sin, but has passed from death to life. For all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He says this as the righteous and only just judge. So after considering the humbling fact that we are not God, I hope this passage has made that clear, James asks a convicting question to his readers. Who are you to judge your neighbor? For we all are sinners, and we can't escape the judgment. We can't stand above the law, We can't stand under the law to be judged by it. We can't run from the requirements of the law. So where does that leave us? We all will stand individually before the judgment seat of Christ one day. We will all stand before the only lawgiver and judge. The only one who is able to save and to destroy. But the good news is here. That he is able to save. From the judgment that we all deserve. 
Not only personal sins. He doesn't only save us from personal sins. He also saves us from the judgment. Remember Jesus says, Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And this ought, to act, this ought to lead us to ask ourselves the question, Who am I to judge my neighbor? Who am I to slander my neighbor? If you haven't noticed, we live in a godless society. And it's only getting worse. We, since we live in a godless society, we live in a society, society that not only rejects the law of God, but they reject grace, mercy, forgiveness. We live in a society where apologies are no longer enough. Repentance is no longer enough. We live in a society where people are misrepresented, where people's views are misrepresented in what they're calling a cancel culture, where big people and big companies are canceling or shutting down people because of their difference of opinions. It's not only to shut down, it is to silence and to destroy their livelihoods, take away their jobs. We're being told by these so-called big people what to think, what to believe. Yet nowhere there's any mention of the truth of God's word, and if it is, it is misused. And it, all, it is all coming from a place of self-righteousness, self-glorification, self-elevation. These are people who believe that they are gods. They want the power. And they won't stop until everyone bows and worships them. They're like little Caesars. Not the pizza place. They're like little Caesars, where every word that they speak is fact and golden and true. They never make mistakes, so they never confess their sins. They believe that they are untouchable because of fame or money. They have taken over the internet, the media, and they're always watching you. Who does that sound like? Whose words are actually true? Who is actually perfect in his being? Who is actually untouchable? And who can actually watch everything that you do? It is God. So obviously these big people do not know themselves. But we ought to be careful. Because we can be a part of that same cancel culture. So what this passage does more than anything else is to call us to look at ourselves, to look in the mirror. Don't look to your ancestors, don't look to your siblings, 
Don't look to your parents. Don't look to your children. But look at yourself. And ask yourself this question. Where would I be if God was to judge me and hold me accountable for every sin I've ever committed? According to his standards, not my own. Wipe that clean and say, where would I be? I know what I, where I would be. I'd be condemned. I'd be in hell at this very moment. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, there is no more condemnation. There is no more judgment, for the just judge came to die on behalf of others. As a ransom paid for many. So that we will never be condemned in judgment. For our sin bearer bore our judgment at Calvary. So instead of misjudging our brothers, we ought to be reminding our brothers of this truth. Amen. Let us pray.